Have your Bible ready, 1 Timothy chapter 1, where our study will continue at verse 8. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8. Let me read down through verse 7 for the sake of good contextual study, and then we'll continue at verse 8. This is 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 7. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law, without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. So in previous classes, we've talked about all the alarms that go off in the opening chapter. Timothy is to remain in Ephesus. This is serious. It was urgent for him to charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. There were certain persons all excited about myths and endless genealogies, speculation. Some were swerving from the sincere faith. And part of this was men were wanting to be teachers who were not qualified without understanding of what they were talking about. That brings us now to the next part. I'm going to read from 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 11. I hope you have your New Testament open to that page. 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 11. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. We're going to talk about this starting with the law is good. This section begins with the premise that the law is good, a premise that would result in a heartily agreement from us. The law is good. All law from God is good. The law he gave to Adam and Eve, then to Noah, to Abraham, then to the Jewish nation through Moses, 
everything we call the Old Testament, the Old Testament law, everything from God is good, all law from God, regardless of when it was delivered, is good because God is good. Now we know that the law is good. However, there's something else we know. In the hands of men, God's law is sometimes misused. Men will take something God said and cite the passage and make it something God didn't intend when they start talking. Men will form in their own minds a notion, a doctrine, a creed, a system, and then find something in Scripture that they say teaches that. Yet, when we look up that passage and we read that passage in context, it doesn't say what the men allege at all. So here is what Paul said. We know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. The question produced by this discussion is, what then is God's law for? And Paul identifies to Timothy and for us one purpose, to restrain us from sin, to keep us from what damages life and displeases God. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. So the main point of this paragraph is God's law is good and it works to his glory when used and applied properly, lawfully. And one primary purpose of God's law is to keep us from those attitudes and actions that ruin our lives, hurt others, and offend God. Here is this passage from the New International Version. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, for those who are practicing homosexuality for slave traitors and liars and perjurers, for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. Now, it seems worthy of our time to dig back into this passage and take note of what Paul says God's law is designed to restrain us from. And the list begins with words and phrases that are general, lawless, disobedient, ungodly, sinners, unholy, profane. Now, this is certainly not a list that describes the righteous. These are various terms describing the unrighteous. Law from God has been given to keep us from being lawless, 
disobedient, profane. But I want us to observe the writers inspired by the Holy Spirit didn't just speak or write in broad, general terms. Various kinds of sins are very specifically identified in Scripture. Let's go through this list. Those who strike their fathers and mothers. Now, many of us read this, and our first thought is that we never entertained any desire to hit our parents. We feared what the response would be, and that was accompanied by our respect for our mothers and fathers. But in the days of the Roman Empire and in the disastrous days of the Jewish nation, parents were sometimes abused. Older folks were sometimes abused. Not just not honoring father and mother, as the law said, some actively abused their parents and grandparents. God's law was clearly against that. And in fact, God's law, when applied, restrains children from such a sin. Murderers are nowhere in Scripture given any sanction. God's law, when applied, generates respect for human life, and human life in the womb is included. The sexually immoral are those who engage in physical pleasure outside of where God put it in marriage. Paul gives a specific of sexual immorality, men who practice homosexuality. I'm reading from the text. You can see that in your Bible there in 1 Timothy 1. What is celebrated by many today, what is promoted with pride and sometimes aggression, Paul said here and in Romans and in 1 Corinthians is wrong. And when God's law is properly understood and diligently applied, this perversion is avoided. Enslavers, in the English Standard Version, slave traders in the NIV, men stealers in the King James. Do I have the right to capture someone and force them to work for me? Do I have the right to capture or steal a human being, maybe from another continent, and then bring them here and trade that person for a sum of money? Enslavement is not something people do when they are governed by God's law. I repeat, enslavement is not something people do when they are governed by God's law. Liars and perjurers exhibit a lack of honesty or integrity. God's law legislates against those common practices. So looking back through the list, these are behaviors. I should say misbehaviors, avoidable when God's law is applied. And then Paul sums this up. Rather than extending the list into every possible specific transgression, he sums it up. And whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I've been entrusted. There is God's law, sound doctrine, the gospel. Paul was entrusted to deliver that message, and in this passage, 
he shows we need God's law to keep us from these misbehaviors. We are using God's law properly when we identify these acts as sinful. Now, we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. The gospel announces the glory of God, and when applied, keeps us from these ugly expressions of rebellion against God. Takeaways. If you're going to teach someone the law of God, you need to be careful and make certain you are teaching only what is written. The law is good provided you use it lawfully. And that means when you teach someone from this book, you teach them only what is in this book. When God's law is learned, remembered, and respected, it keeps us from life damage that is produced by sin. Everything we studied here that Paul wrote to Timothy requires that we must be familiar with God's word. I have a question for you. Did Jesus ever say anything against homosexual relationships or same-sex marriage? The claim is often made today, even by people who claim to be within some religious community, that Jesus never said anything about this, but he did. He said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Matthew 19, verse 4. Where does the practice of abortion fit into this list? Murderers. So that's our study. I ask you to read back through 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 11, and be back for our next study in 1 Timothy. These are brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. Thank you.